This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, Joyce and Sharitz here with you on the morning run. It's now time for the business headlines. But before that, just a reminder that right after the 8am news bulletin, we have the breakfast grill. And today, Sharitz catches up with Kirk Chiang Tung, the executive director of Hub Singh Industries. So Sharitz, what will you be discussing about? Yeah, so as you know, Hub Singh is um, a staple cream cracker for Mm. many Malaysian households. But how is this uh, food manufacturing company maneuvering the changing tastes and trends in consumption? So we asked that. So Chiang Tong also, she's sharing her thoughts on Hap Singh's position with regards to branding and its products and how they plan the expansion and also manage how they manage their shareholders. But many are unaware that Hap Singh is vastly undervalued compared to their peers in, sec- uh, in the sector. So yeah, that's coming up. Interesting. Well, that's coming up in about 15 minutes. Now let's turn our attention to some of the business headlines. Today, I think one of the big uh, stories coming out is uh, this news that uh, the US and China, they are committing to reach a trade deal by March 1st. So according to the US Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin on Wednesday, he said that both the US and China are making a big commitment to reach an agreement in their trade negotiations by the March 1st deadline. Yes, uh, to recap, Chinese President Xi Jinping and his US counterpart Donald Trump, they agreed to a 90-day truce in the ongoing uh, trade war. But if no deal is reached, US tariff on the $200 billion in Chinese import will increase dramatically to 25%. Beijing has also imposed steep punitive tariff on $360 in two-way trade. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you have uh, Stephen Mnuchin saying, uh, telling CNBC uh, that US and uh, Chinese officials are working around the clock, but that remains a lot to be done. And he also stressed that, you know, any agreement must be enforceable. And I think Mnuchin is due to travel to Beijing next week for a third round of talks aimed at resolving tensions. So it's interesting. It looks like they are trying trying to work towards a resolution. Uh, We just came out from a call with Vasu Menon from OCBC and he says that, you know, um, markets are pricing in a potential... Um, truce, yeah, a partial agreement, and uh, they're expecting a positive outcome from this. Hopefully, all goes well, unless uh, Donald Trump tweets something different from that. Yeah. Well, uh, well. In other news, Trump has indicated his preference for now vacant World Bank presidency. Oh, he so did. So that something that he's um, added in. So he stated that it should be led by a U.S. Treasury office, official, uh, David Malpass, who is known as a Trump loyalist and also critic of multilateral institution, who has vowed to pursue pro-growth reform at the World Bank. Well, the Washington Post on Tuesday reported that Malpass had accepted Trump's offer to lead the bank. And he would be succeeding Jim Yong Kim, who had announced in January that he is stepping down three years before his term was set to expire. And this was amidst differences with the Trump administration over climate change and development resources. Yeah, Mel Pass is currently the Undersecretary for International Affairs at the Treasury Department. A source close to Mel Pass has said that his priorities would be raising income, incomes in developing nations and develop, uh, defending U.S. interests as World Bank president. Yeah, so he has also been a sharp critic of the World Bank, especially over its lending to China, because over the past two years, Malpass had pushed for the World Bank to halt lending to China, which he says is too wealthy for such aid. And um, also when Beijing has subjected developing countries like Sri Lanka and Pakistan to debt loads with its Belt and Road Infrastructure Development Program. So it looks like um, this new guy, Malpass, is um, not really a big fan of China. 
Yeah, and I think uh, taking a position in World Bank is, is trying for it's trying to have more influence, especially in the intergovernmental level. Um, and and as, as you say, this is this is. Uh, this is key, especially U.S. with this, the, with their policy of um, more nationalist policy. I, I guess they they would want someone yeah, being at the you know at the level of World Bank. Yeah, well, uh, looking at trade, let's turn our attentions to from trade. Let's turn our attentions to earnings in the U.S. because a number of big earnings have come out from there. So you have GM's fourth quarter earnings, which was released on Wednesday, that had beat our Wall Street expectations due to tighter cost controls and higher truck sales. And uh, here's how the company did compared to what Wall Street expected. So adjusted earnings was. Uh, one US dollar forty three cent per share versus one US dollar twenty two cent per share estimated. I think with regards to revenue, they hit about thirty eight billion US dollars versus the expected thirty six billion US dollars. Right, and then uh, moving on to a, another brand, Chipotle, uh, on Wednesday had reported quarterly earnings and revenue that beat analysts' expectation, increasing food traffic, food traffic, and menu price increases. Mm. Now, yeah, the share of the company jumped to eight percent based on the survey of analysts uh, by Refinitiv. Here is what the company reported. Uh, so earnings per share is $1.72 uh, adjusted versus a $1.37 uh, $1. Uh, and then revenue is $1.23 billion uh, versus the $1.2 billion which was expected. Well, it looks like a lot of good earnings coming out from the US. Also, Disney reported earnings per share and revenue that topped analyst estimates as well. This was helped by sales increases in its media networks and the theme park business, of course. And uh, the company said that its sports streaming service, ESPN Plus, now has about 2 million paid subscribers. So the earnings uh, looks like it's $1.84 US per share that um, topped the expected $1.55 US per share. Moving on to Amazon, on the other hand, they fell into bear market territory on Friday and dropped below $800 billion in market value. Uh, the stock had previously entered bear market territory in December. At one point last year, the stock hit $1 trillion in market value during intraday trading. Shares, uh, the shares, shares fell 5.4% on Friday after the company announced on a call with uh, investors on Thursday. Now, this would likely increase investment in 2019 after scaling back uh, capital expenditures and hiring a year prior. And this raised concern about new reg- about the new regulation in India. Yeah, it looks like not everyone's uh, reporting good numbers. Uh, also remember Apple, uh, they've suffered a steep loss in market value in early January after warning investors to expect weak revenue for its first quarter 2019. But you know, despite all that, Sharitz, uh, despite reporting lower earnings and all that, Apple has recently just reclaimed the title of the most valuable public company in the world. Right. They surpassed Microsoft and Amazon on Wednesday with a market capitalization of almost $822 billion US dollars. Yeah, Apple, they suffered a steep loss in market value early January. Yes, they did. And remember, they, they gave this warning to, to investors. And following that, I think um, Amazon and Microsoft also, when they reported earnings, also under-delivered de- de- under compared to analysts' expectation. Um, speaking about Apple, I think a notable aspect of their earnings report is the slowdown in iPhone sales, which has raised doubts about Apple's growth prospects. I guess, I don't know, maybe they should re-look into their whole price point. 
issue, right? They may be outpricing themselves. But uh, they're also, also looking at, uh, I think, uh, investing in services. Uh, mm, in, in, and uh, their wearables and all that, looking at right. new forms of income. Well, also, I think in, uh, there was also news flow coming out from Apple because they announced that their top retail executive, Angela at Srins is uh, stepping down and she's going to remain with Apple until April. I think she just joined. She joined them about five years ago um, from uh, retail. She was from Burberry before Burberry, that that's quite right. high level kind of position moving into Apple as well. But I think there was no reason, official reason given for her departure, for Angela's departure. But um, I think citing that she was leaving for new personal and professional opportunities. Yeah, and so she will be replaced by Deidre O'Brien, a long-term Apple executive who runs the company Human Resource Department and uh, Angela Adrian uh, joined Apple back in 2014, stepping down from her leadership, uh, Yeah, as you mentioned just now, uh, from in Burberry. In Burberry mm. That's right. So to lure uh, her to Apple, what happened was Apple gave Adrian a cal- Adrian, a company stock value up to $70 million. Wow, $70 U- uh, million US dollars just to lure her to join Apple. That's right. So uh, during her time uh, at Apple, Adrian has also overseen a revamp on the Apple store, bringing trees into the store, attempting to turn them into town squares. And uh, she also engineered renovations of high-profile stores in San Francisco, New York, Chicago, and other cities in an attempt to transform them into hip places to hang out while shoppers check out the company's latest innovations. So I think she brought been, her, yeah, brought her fashion touch <laughs> to the Apple. She's always been in retail, and I think she also oversaw a revamp of the Apple Store, bringing trees into the stores and attempting to turn them into town squares. So, uh, what's next for what's next for her? I think some people are saying that she may return into fashion, but yeah, definitely, um, all eyes will be on where she's going next and what's going to happen to Apple because I guess they're at a crossroad right now when it comes to Apple and whether or not they'll have to re-strategize. Well, there's new. Coming out that uh, Prime Minister Tun Dr. Mahathir announced that the government will form a central body aim at making decisions on issues involving the economy. So he said that the body would have uh, similar functions as the National Economic Action Council, which was formed on January 7th, 1998. And uh, the council was then tasked with identifying the basic economic problems and appropriate policies to respond to them. So I think this new Action Council, however, will have a different name, will look into all economic matters as well as make decisions on them as fast as possible. Yeah, uh, interestingly, with regards to this council, no name has yet to be mm. named. Uh, who's going to be part of it? Is it going to be... Yeah, uh, so th- those details are still uh, not available. This decision so far has been met with positive responses and deemed as step uh, in the right direction. General responses from experts are that the council should focus on addressing the slowing down of economic activities despite the uncertainties, uh, the rising cost of living and also high cost of doing business. Yeah, I guess a big... Um, it's a tough balancing act, Charis, when it comes to, to this you know, because you have to please a lot of people, and at the same time, it's not just managing what is in the local environment; it's also globally as well. The whole global macro environment yes. is quite volatile, so it's tough. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who's going to be part of this council. Who picks the council? Is mm. it going to be, I guess, corporates, a mix of corporates, the government? industry experts or maybe even NGOs. I mean, people who can weigh in, economists. Mm. It'll be a good mix, but boils down to who picks them. Is it based on merit and whether they can deliver or is it based on who knows who? 
Yes. Right? Yeah. And also it, it's, it's, it's a good step forward in the sense that, you know, there's been so much focus in looking back all this while, mm. finger pointing as to what has happened in the past is resulting us to where we are today. Uh, so, you know, it's it's. While that is ongoing, I mean, we know we all know what MECC is doing. They're all doing their job, but it's also good to just have a more uh, forward-looking mm. plan, for example. So, uh, you know, again, as you mentioned, who's going to be part of it and everything, that, that's going to be key. Well, speaking about this, uh, blaming the past, I think Lee Hengui, Executive Director at Social Economic Research Centre, said that in general, people are not feeling very optimistic. He said that, you know, it is counterproductive to keep blaming the past. And according to him, Shards, he says uh, businesses are experiencing declining demand and the government needs to look at how to increase their competency while reducing cost of doing business. So maybe does that mean in a council you need business owners as well? People who actually know how to run the business and, you know, comes to actually um, going, I mean, knowing what's happening on the ground, yeah. you know, yeah, or not just armchair critics. Yeah, and again, um, this this is this is about uh, con- it's about consumer sentiment, yeah. Mm. I mean, um, people are people are not feeling very optimistic. There's a lot of things going on, and uh, again, as you mentioned, perhaps there's a lot of business communities out there, a lot of uh, organized association. I mean, they would have uh, perhaps on the ground a feel of as to you know, and, and uh, as to what is happening, and their their input could be um, could be valuable. Yeah, sometimes thinking that you know and actually knowing to do things is too entirely different things. Well, Dr. Ye Kim Ling, professor at Sunway University Business School, said that the immediate issue the council has to look into is the slowing economy caused by weakening external demand. And he cautioned that if the domestic economy is dragged down by further slowdown in domestic consumption and investments, businesses and households could face more severe economic shocks, such as income losses, wage cuts and retrenchments. Yeah, I mean, he also said that if cyclical or temporary in nature, the council would need to come up with a short-term economic stimulus measure like selective government spending boosts and stimulus package to support private consumption and investment. Uh, Dr. Yeah, he also added that uh, council would need to restructure the economy in order to race competitiveness, value-adding technological capabilities and industrial revolution 4.0 readiness. So that means we um, it, it's all about uh, Malaysians needing to really up their game mm. um, uh, in, and also businesses introducing technological capabilities as much as this is ideal, but at the same time, there's a lot of things to balance. For example, the cost of investment, all these things, and change of mindset and so forth. Mm. Yeah, it looks like there are a lot of things this council needs to do. So the Edge Financial Lady spoke to a number of people to ask them their views on this council. And Alan Tan, Chief Economist at Afing Huang Investment Bank, said that apart from driving productivity and moving the manufacturing sector up the value chain, the council should look into ways to you know, ensure quality FDIs come in, diversify and strengthen the export market as well well as have sustainable fiscal consolidation. So he says, you know, these measures will increase Malaysia's competitiveness while raising household disposable income steadily. That's why it's so important to make sure that we have the right people in the council. And it's um, it's going to be difficult to, for them to figure out. I mean, all eyes will definitely be in who will be a part of this council. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Lawrence Todd, Director of Research from the Institute of Democracy and Economic Affairs, said that new council will have to achieve a, great, a greater level of coherence among different ministries. Now, he said that this coherence need to be communicated more clearly, including to the business community at home and abroad who have been getting mixed signal. Now, this is coming, I think, if uh, if you recall, that uh, 
ECRL? The, yeah, the ECRL <laughs> announcement between the Ministry of Finance and the mm. Ministry of mm. Economy Affairs. I mean, they, 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 in, and I think rightfully said that there are there are no no coherence uh, in, in in that sense. And I think it's giving yeah, it's giving um, mixed signals abroad. Yeah, I think the messaging needs to be um, all of them need to be on the same page, and you know perhaps have the discussion behind closed doors, and then only when you come into the public have one message for everybody. Um, yeah, they should definitely look into PR and communication strategy more closely. Well, the National Chamber of Commerce and Industry of Malaysia has shown support for this council. I think President Tan Sri Ter Leong Yap said it's timely. It's a timely move given the current global challenges. Uh, they are looking forward to the blueprint. I think we're all looking forward to also see who's in the council. Yep. Um, also, I guess, um, yeah, there are a number of them who said that, you know, the, to ensure that every decision made, you know, um, it should be fair. Yes, and also uh, looking into the human aspect of things, social activist Tansri Lee Liam Tai said that the council must have clear agenda for the country's economic direction apart from expanding the social safety net programs to cover more Malaysians. Assistance should be given to both low-income B40 and also the middle-income M40 group as they are mo- they were most affected by the economic slowdown. Yeah, so the question here is also, you know, aside from who's going to be in a council, do we have too many councils? Remember, we had the council of imminent persons and that's no longer around but why did you stop that right and we also have a couple of other groups and all that you know I guess um, focus groups and task groups to to spearhead some some initiatives um, yeah it'll be interesting to watch yeah it'll be, it'll be interesting to see the terms of reference of this council yeah. for an example then what exactly is their mandate uh, again because we have the Ministry of Economy Affairs and we have Ministry of Finance they are policy level mm-hmm. uh, they are policy level making uh, you know bodies and you have a council what is their role is their role to just give a recommendation mm. and you know are, so that means are you reducing the role of the ministry I mean there's a lot of yes yeah, a, lot a lot of questions things. definitely but I think one thing everybody can agree agree on is that we need to definitely look into our current position when it comes to the economy and also you know come up with strategies on how we're going to maneuver Malaysia through these uh, volatile times it's not just locally but globally as well so well tell us what you think whatsapp us at 0187898899 or tweet us at bfm radio do we need another council we're heading in into the 8am news and after that breakfast grill uh, Sharad's going to talk to Kirk Chiang Tun the executive director of Hapsing Industries so stay tuned to BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.